1: I not what they might say, we love Jesus anyway. It wouldn't be the first time God would use our enemies to encourage us, and it certainly wouldn't be the last. Judges chapter 7 God does just that for the sake of Gideon and his fearfulness. Join us. Way of Grace coming up next. Encouragement will usually come from some of the most unusual places and most unexpected. Take, for example, Gideon. Here in chapter 7, he is fearful, afraid that he's not going to be able to succeed. Fearful that he's not going to be able to succeed at what God has called him to. So in God's kindness and mercy, he has Gideon give a listen to his enemy and what his enemy is saying. Real encouragement straight ahead. Join us. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's Way of Grace.
2: Gideon had 300 men, this is what we're going to see next week, who had become one with him. And so now God is piecing off Gideon and one brother and they're going down into the camp to hear a word, not from their enemy, but from God. As I just stated, yeah. If you listen with the wrong ears and you look with the wrong eyes, you will hear the enemy's voice in the mouth of the saints. I'm telling the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. But if you are walking by faith and if you have overcome that fear because you know that fear has torment and uh, fear, uh, love is the only thing that can cast out fear and bring you to the maturity of faith, you Understand that there is no such thing as the enemy's word being immutable and unchangeable. There's no such thing as the enemy's word being certain and true. Nothing about what the enemy says should be viewed as as being certified as if it is sovereign God talking. I know this because God tells me he's a liar From the beginning and the truth does not abide in him. He is a thief and a murderer. And because of that, I have to examine him critically for everything he's saying. See what I'm getting at? And so when we do, guess what we discover? If you listen carefully to them over time, you will hear God in their mouth. This is what some of us have already begun to learn, haven't we? We've turned the corner on the whole mass scheme and rhetoric, and now you're hearing clarity, capitulation, turning around, coming back to reality, affirming truth that can never ever ultimately be killed. I told you you can kill the witnesses, but in three days they go rise again. Didn't I tell you that? You can kill them, but they are gonna rise again in three days. You get to party for three days. That evening, here they come again. And this is where the people of God learn to trust God and simply go into those dark places that God is calling you. You can trust it as our text says, Gideon, your victory is in the enemy's mouth. Does that make some sense? Two, then, two things then with our uh, main subpoints under point number three. What he saw was one thing. Do you agree with that? What he heard was a whole nother thing. See what I'm getting at now? How the enemy loves to get you at the visual. This is again, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13 through 17. I've used this account before many times. And this is... um the account where the, uh, the the enemy is trying to get at whoever it is that's exposing the enemy's plans and getting it back to Israel remember I told you when God fights for his people he goes in front of his people sits in the enemy's camp and then brings back the news to you what the enemy is up to this is so ah uh. do y'all not know that what I'm telling you is contemporary relevant right now truth Can can y'all not get what I'm saying? Can you not understand how important it is to know your enemy? Because when you actually know what they're up to, you can dissect it. You can deconstruct it for real. And then you can bring back the truth to the people of God. That's so very important. He said, go and spy where he is. That is Elisha, that I may send and fetch him. What does he want to do to Elisha? Lock him up. Why? Because Elisha is the prophet. Why? Because the prophet speaks for God. Why? Because God is a God of truth and the truth will always set you free. And see, tyrannical systems always want to control you. But what God does, because you're, his people are his army, you don't get to sit on your butt. You are God's army. You are God's soldier. You are in the war. God then engages in what is called intelligence in order for you to have a strategy to deal with it. Does that make some sense? Shout to God. And so here we are. Watch this. Just watch the account. It was told to him, saying, Behold, he's in Dothan. We'll keep it moving. Verse 14. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a what? And a what? And a great host. Visual optics again. Visual optics again. Now, you don't need all that for one brother. Or do you? (laughs) You don't. He sent out chariots and horses, and a great host for an old ball head prophet. Now this will give you some other insights. Are you with me? Stay with me. The enemy can never have more confidence than God. A lot of times all of that flailing and blowing up is really an affirmation of his own fear. This is called the Wizard of Oz. Therefore, he sent their horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and they compassed the city. There again is your Armageddon motif. It's always compassing the city. That's the last battle in Revelation 19, right? And they compassed the city about, like that's going to do something. And notice what the text goes on to say. Therefore, he sent hither horses. I'm sorry. Go to there. We go. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early, now God woke up his servant to teach him what I'm sharing with you right now. He woke his servant up. When a servant uh, rose up early and had gone forth, and you guys, you know, I've talked about this many times, have I not? Y'all already know by inference what he went to do, right? Go get Elisha a cup of coffee from Pete's Coffee. (laughs) Right? Uh, A large latte with three shots. So, so, So he's on a little errand, but God's really teaching him something. And it's something that you and I need to learn, too. While you and I are sleeping, the enemy is working. And when you wake up in the morning, if you're not ready to deal with him, that is opening your eyes of faith. The optic will get you. Am I making some sense? Take notes, because this is about you learning how to fight the good fight of faith. Here it is. Notice what it says. And they're going forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. Now, is this not overreach? We just going after one old bald head dude, and we're gonna compass the whole city about. See, this shows you the insecurity. Of these systems. See see the disproportionate reaction? Do you see the parallel to where we are today? All of this disproportionate reaction over a little nothing. This goes to show you they don't have real commitment to the truth. Their job is all about force and control, it's not about illuminating what is right. Like Job says, hey, uh, uh, right words will persuade me, but h- what good does your forcing or arguing do? So you can argue somebody and force somebody to comply, but that doesn't make them believe. But now, if you have reasonable arguments, logical, coherent arguments, set them on the table. An objective, rational mind would be willing to hear your argument. By the way, that's how a believer is supposed to be, right? And so here we go with Elisha being compassionate. And here I also like this. Now, Elisha's in the house. Do you think Elisha don't know that they'd already gathered all this host and the city about? Does Elisha know? Of course he does. You know that by previous chapters. Do you not know that Elisha also knows that his servant is under a test? Of course he does. We've already seen that in previous accounts, haven't we? In the previous chapter, chapter 5 with Naaman and his servant going out to get the money. Y'all remember that? So what I love about this is that Elisha is walking with a level of faith where he already sees the enemy. And it doesn't bother him. Why, saints? Because he sees past the enemy to something greater than the enemy that's there too. All right, this would be the difference between a mature believer and an immature believer. Are you hearing me? Now, watch this. This is what the text says. And his servant said unto him, alas, in other words, he out of his mind, alas, oh, master, what we going to do? What we going to see? Calm down, son. Take a sip of my coffee. Calm down. It's all good. The deportment of Elisha is a lesson for us. Now notice what the next verse says. And he answered, here it is. Here it is. Fear not. Do You see it? Do not fear. See, that's the lesson for today. Do not fear. Hardest thing in the world for us to do because we're addicted to fearing. Do not fear. Now, Elisha didn't promise this young servant that he was going to change anything about the enemy. He didn't say, Don't fear, because I'm going out there to wipe them out. No, he said, Don't fear. Don't fear. This would be like the Lord Jesus telling the disciples, Don't fear. The boat is filling up with water and it's about to sink. But he tells them, Why are you so fearful? I'm in the boat. Elisha is with the servant. They're not divided. I could see being fearful if the enemy captured you and taking you away. And now you're not with your master. This, this servant was with his master. All you do is look at your master. And if you see peace on your master's face, you get with that peace. I'm going to be talking about that in a moment. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Because the beauty of the 300 men you're going to find is that they do exactly what Gideon does. This is what we're going to learn. And so here the text says, and he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, y'all have heard that proposition over and over again in so many different ways. Have you not? Right. So here's what I would say, since you know enough about your Bible to know where these verses are. Are those words hidden in your heart or are they just running around in your head? See what I'm getting at? See what I'm getting at? It can be one thing to know all things work together for good. It's another thing that when it's part of your DNA and rooted in your disposition, because you've been through enough battles to know that God always works everything after the counsel of his own will. And when it's over with, I'm better afterwards than I was before. Once you know that, you don't even have to quote the verse because the verse quotes itself. When you know that, you know, when you know that, you don't have to quote Bible verses. They quote themselves. I'm all, it's okay if you want to quote Bible verses. I understand. Don't get it wrong. But the point is the word must be in you, in your heart, because it, the word has to be mixed with faith or else it's not profitable. Right, in that time of trial, if the word of God is out there and not in here keeping you and being a, uh, a lens and prism by which you look into the enemy's camp, strategies, wiles, etc., What good was all of that reading your Bible? If the moment pressure came on you, you split. That's why God had to get rid of almost 32,000 men because they couldn't help him. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Remember, God wasn't going to fail. Because God was the one made the promise, didn't he? Gideon, you shall vanquish all of them as one man. See, when you get a promise like that, two things. Be sure God won't lie, change, or fail. Y'all got that, right? Been hearing it forever. But also understand, you're getting ready to go for a ride. When God's telling you you're going to win this victory, you're going to win this victory. And it's going to change your life. Because in the process of that battle, you're going to learn what you are and what you are not. And how faithful God is to you, even if he has to break you down, even as even if he has to let you fall, even as he has to let you bump your head over and over and over again. What you're going to discover is the God that lets you do that is the God standing right there with you while you bump your head until you come to understand you can trust the Lord. It's true. It's true. It's really true. We all we all know this. I deal with people all the time that are that are frequently trying to get a handle on God's uh, chastening love in their life. And uh, and after we have wrestled through all of the carnal reasonings, it always falls out that they are. They are glad that they went through it because they were better at the end of that trial than they were before. You learn so much more. When you fall, than you do when you're standing. Am I making some sense? You learn so much more. So, and he answered, Fear not, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, watch the next promise, because notice what Elisha is doing. Elisha is demonstrating that Elisha has the word in him, right? And Elisha is demonstrating that Elisha already saw the enemy, right? And Elisha is demonstrating that he has seen through the enemy to the glorious host of the Lord of Sabaoth. That's what he's indicating. He's indicating a repose and comfort that says there's no reason to fear here. They that are with us are more than they that are with him. But now the young man has to come to see it, right? Here it is. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord did what? Open the eyes of the young man. Open the eyes of my heart. Right. Open the eyes of my heart. Right. I want to see you. And so to see God in a context of battle, you want to see God as already going before you and subduing your enemies. That's the way you want to see God. And that's the way he wants you to see him. Remarkable, remarkable. The proposition. Notice what it says. And the eyes of the young man were open and he saw And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire round about. Again, we can go into this at length because what you got now is a parody in the physical of what's going on in the spiritual, right? In the physical, horses and chariots around the city. In the spiritual, horses and chariots around the whole domain. Okay, just trying to help you. Just trying to help you. Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots. And again, in the Megiddo motif, the mountains are on top. They're looking down on the enemy. The enemy does not even know they're already vanquished. Somebody go hallelujah. Right? It's true, isn't it? Is it true? They don't know. They're sitting there trying to do surveillance and they can't wait for Elisha to come out. And God got all of his sentry encompassing the whole of the army. And all they're doing is waiting for Jehovah to give them a command. Whatever you want us to do, we're ready to fight, oh Lord God. Now, I wish the people of God had that same confidence. That same confidence, because we need it. This is why my master, while he went into the valley and was about to be shredded, Pilate saying to him, do you know I can let you loose, or I can decree that you die? He said, boy, don't you know all I have to do is just beckon to my daddy and he will send a host and wipe out everything around you. Right. And that's where the Lord Jesus was able to keep his cool, his calm and his repose, too, didn't he? And he would teach us that way, too. In no way, be afraid of your adversaries. That's what he told us. That's that's the business that you and I need to be involved in. I'll show you shortly. Don't get misdirected. Your job is to ask the Lord to make you strong in the Lord and in the power of his might that you might stand against the wiles of the devil. That's your job and mine, too. Let's go back to our text. A couple more things I want to talk about before I let you go. So the reward of join near is that you get the support of grace and then it helps you with the uh, concern that you're dealing with. The revelation of the enemies of God, what he saw was one thing and what he heard was another. Let's go back to our text. So powerful. Now look at what it says over in verse 12. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers. Do y'all see that?
1: Like grasshoppers.
2: Now, actually, I'm sorry. You you, you have to forgive me because I love grasshoppers. I love locusts. They're good protein. Have you ever eaten some? They're really good. They're, they're, they're really, they're really, they're really, for real, they're good. You put a, put a little bit of spice on it. I'm just, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's really good. And, and when you go to third world countries, guess what they do? They dip them in chocolate. Roll with me, somebody. Right? And look at what God is doing. Now he's giving your enemies to be eaten up. You get to eat your enemies up. It'll come home in a minute. It'll come home in a minute. I will make meat out of your carcasses. Isn't that the cry of the word of God? Of course, Uh, you know, I'm being a little bit facetious, but not really because I do eat them. My wife will tell you I'll eat them quick when we go. I love eating cuisine from different countries, snakes and snails and all that stuff, because I know I ain't going to eat it when I get here. So I'm going to eat it there. I'm talking spiritual. I'm talking spiritual. I hope y'all get that. I'm really do eat it. I'm not lying to you, but I'm saying there got to be something spiritual here. There's something in the diet of America that we need to wake up to where they have taken out the power, taken out the virtue, taken out the strength. And maybe God left a little bit of that in our third world countries. That's why they're more healthy than we are. Does that make some sense? That's my rationalization. So next time you go somewhere, and they, they, they want to give you some crickets. To, yeah, don't go, don't go, go try it, sis. Don't go, don't go. Some of my sisters just say, no, no, no. No, just, just eat one, Big water a bottle, bottle of water. It'll help you. Notice what the text says. And the Midianites and the Amalekites, all of the children of east lay like a, in the valley like grasshoppers. They were an optic intentional to scare the people of God. Y'all see it. They were an optic intentional. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, they popped up their tents. They had their barbecue pits out there. They were cooking. They were there for a long time. What was going on in their mind? They thought they were invincible. That's how delusional these antichrist systems are. That's how delusional they are. You hear them talking as if they will bring their will to pass. Then they just start acting on it like they won't get any resistance from God. Am I making some sense? And so uh, the servants of the Lord draw near because they are going to be the ones that go back and give good news. See, God is still allowing all the rest of the men to be comfortably in distance. And here's another thing you can know about warfare. Warfare up close is way different than warfare from way on the top of the hill. If you've never been up close in warfare, you don't know what it's like. And this is why you pray for men and women that are engaged in levels of ministry that put them near the enemy. Because if you're used to being way back here on the mountaintop where you're looking at it with binoculars, you are not sensing or feeling the magnitude of the spiritual battle that they're going through. And they need you up there praying for them because they're going through things that most likely you and I couldn't actually handle or else we'd be there and they'd be up here. I am making some sense, am I? All right. It's no accident that you and I are not closer and more engaged in the warfare. It's no accident. A lot of it are the choices we're making. We're making choices not to fight certain battles. And God's allowing us to make those choices. And there are others who are going straight into the battle. It's just really true. And so we ought not to neglect them. And we ought not to actually misinterpret what we think we are because we're not. We're the folks over by the stuff. (laughs) Hoping they win so we can enjoy the spoils. Because our country is like that. This 21st century American culture has lived on the spoils of war and battles and conflicts that we have still yet to understand how it is that we have arrived at our freedoms. And we're sitting here completely ignorant of the sacrifices that were made to bring this about. Am I making some sense? And then we have the audacity to want to infight fight and argue and debate and continue to subdivide. Like somehow we actually know what the depth and breadth of the cost was. But that's that the enemy wants that to happen, too. He loves to keep us divided. That's what he knows that. And so notice what go, what what it goes on to say. This is really interesting. Notice now verse 13. And when Gideon was come. Behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellows. Do you see it? Now notice that what God did was hold this man up from this story he had until sovereignly Gideon was close enough to hear it.
1: Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 6.30, and man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace Bible com or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible, and again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica. Stand. I not what they might say. We love Jesus anyway. I not what they might say, we love Jesus anyway.